you're gonna make me sing DMV on the air. Yeah, you gotta sing. I, I, let, I let me see if I, I let me see if I could do a decent impression of because uh, he he has the weirdest cadence. Like he has the weirdest like tone. Uh, when all the little ants are marching, uh, red and black and tan are waving. They all do it the same. They all do it the same way. <laughs> and then he does he does his little like blues traveler thing. I, I know I'm not I'm not gonna do it. But now now I'm singing and doing this impression. He's kind of doing almost like. Am I crazy that he's doing like a Chet Hayes patois? Kind of. Uh, perhaps it's a, weird. The way he says things is weird. Yes, he is. He sounds weird. Where where is he from? I guess we'll learn. Oh, we'll learn. Okay. He's from an unexpected place. Virginia? That's where he's based. That's not where he's from. Matthews has big Virginia guy energy, I think. Dave Matthews' band has big Virginia energy. It's not explainable. Florida Florida guy energy is much more explainable. We were doing what bands are from Florida uh, when we were just there. Yeah. Uh, and every single person who is from Florida is like, oh, yes, absolutely. That's a Florida guy. Yeah. Um, and you can even guess them. You're like, Vanilla Ice, does Vanilla Ice have something to do with Florida? And you look it up and you're like, yes. yes, yes Born in Houston, split his childhood between Texas and Florida. Uh, also, t- Tom Petty's a Florida guy. That also weirdly makes sense. But it does make sense. Like, when you think about it, because I basically just think of him as, like, vaguely Southern yeah. uh, and his his band and his music as Southern-ish rock. Yeah. But it's, it's not, like, Tennessee. It's Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Running down a dream is a Florida thing to do. <laughs> oh, yes. Everybody in Florida <laughs> is constantly running down a dream. In fact, you were commenting that every single person we passed on the streets of Miami appeared to be in the middle of some kind of hustle. <laughs> like, on the phone. <laughs> every- like yeah. every snippet of every phone conversation we heard was somebody somebody being like, I told him he had to give me my money. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, no, every every phone conversation was in the middle of a business deal that appeared to be on the brink of going well for the person. You know, you think of New York as like a business city, Wall yeah. Street, you know, gray flannel suit. But whenever I hear anyone on the phone in New York, they're screaming at their partner. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, the, the best thing I've ever heard uh, someone yell was on Valentine's Day 2017 this girl on her cell phone being like why did you like my picture but didn't you didn't text me back (laughs) on valentine's day and i'm like this guy fucked up because he thought he thought he was he he probably liked it reflexively but he then she was like what time is dinner and he was like (laughs) uh well everybody in florida is in in the middle of a conversation about how they will have the quote stuff the stuff yeah as long as quote their guy has the money uh can you hear this hi and welcome to and introducing a podcast about words about music i'm chris wade and i'm molly o'brien and introducing first subject of 2020 in honor of their nomination to the 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, class. We got to talk about these guys. It's Dave Matthews Band. Aww. Uh, that band of uh, all the guys in it are named, named Dave, Dave Matthews. Matthews. It's amazing that he found 20 different guys named Dave Matthews. Yeah. And one of them being like a jazz violinist. Yeah, an electrified violinist named yeah, Dave yeah. Matthews. Like that was wild. And he did it in the 90s, like before the internet was big too. Yeah, so he, he was just looking these people up uh, in phone books. Yeah, Dave Matthews, an amazing networker. Yeah. Uh, no, the, it's the Dave Matthews band. It's po- possibly the jam band other than Fish of the uh, of the 90s. The most, po- the most popular 
The most popular jam band of the 90s. Of the 90s. The only one with a real and arguable crossover success. Yes. Uh, and a band that people love to hate. And you know that we love to talk about things people love to hate. We sure do. Uh, so we figured we'd, uh, we, if you may have noticed, um, we've been on a bit of a hiatus since the end of December. Yes. Uh, we very foolishly went into the holidays with a zero plan for our 2020 content strategy. So we yeah, that was good. got back in and, uh, you know, had a fairly busy January and, and figured we just needed to get something out. So uh, we threw this together, or more specifically, as she always does. Molly threw this together for Aww, us. Aw, we don't, we, we're, we're putting genuine effort and thought and care into these subjects, even if this uh, was not reading a full book. And you know what? It's my fucking birthday today. It's Chris's and fucking I'm birthday. I'm on my birthday for all of you. Chris is doing what he loves best. I'm doing what I love best, but also the, the thing that I wish I had one day that I could, I could take off of. <laughs> uh, no, day, no, no days, days off. off. No days off. The pod- no. Pods must roll. I made Chris pod on his birthday. Uh, but we're going to a wedding later today. That'll be fun. But for now, DMB, let's crash into it. <laughs> Molly, what do you got? Oh, my God. I, it's it's so rude that I'm making you do this on your birthday. And it's Dave Matthews band. Dave Matthews and, and his band. Um, it's not like a fun thing like LC Sound System. So for that, <laughs> I apologize. I'm sorry. No, I'm excited to talk, talk about DMB. Because uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they've got some wacky stuff back there, and then we can talk about how they're generally uh, handled in pop culture. This is, if anything, it's like a, uh, maybe a part two of our bad songs episode, which I don't think we even talked about. Dave Matthews Band yeah. for some reason people did not nominate in that tweet thread of bad songs. Uh, I, d- I don't think I remember seeing any DMB. Otherwise, we would have talked about it. Yeah. They kind of slid by because they're to me, it's like they're bad, but they're not that bad. Yeah, like they're I don't know. It's kind of well, actually, the well, in yeah, a, well, I mean, yeah. we should do our thing. Like, yeah, we should do the thing about what we thought about What's Dave Matthews uh, Band because I honestly have no strong opinion about them. I don't really like these songs, but you know, people. Do you remember like growing up? With I mean, them? I, just, I honestly can't really even identify them. It it took you saying it explicitly today for me to realize the <laughs> song was actually Dave Matthews and not I don't know Rusted Root or one of those other bands yeah. or something. Uh, you know, and the people who really hated Dave Matthews Band to me. I don't know. It, it seemed like the people who who like performatively hated Barney in the '90s. It's just like who I I don't know who care. In Meet Me in the Bathroom, I can't remember now which artist it was, but they were talking about the state of rock music in the uh, at the turn of the millennium and saying that you know rock music is pretty much dead. Dave Matthews Band was there, and they were basically like pigeons. They're always going to be there. You just have to hope they don't shit on you. <laughs> Which Dave Matthews Band did. Do you remember that story? Oh my God, of I do. Dump it, of their Dave Matthews tour bus uh, dumping a, a, a load of excrement onto the Chicago River by accident onto a, believe, a tour boat in the Chicago River? A tour River. boat of, uh, of, of passengers. So, I yes, that was 2004, um, which I think that can sum up the year 2004 for a lot of people yes. in general. Uh, but... I, I remember that story, but then I basically kind of twisted and misremembered the story. I thought they just dumped the shit in the river. I like did not realize that it was dumped on people. Yes, which you know, if you're li- if you're in Chicago and, and you're on a tour boat and you get a bunch of shit uh, dumped on you by Dave Matthew ba- Dave Matthews Band's tour bus, that might not be the worst thing that happens to you in Chicago. No, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe not. You, you you're living on a prayer in Chicago a little bit. But um, it was it was Boyd Tinsley's the the violinist. It was his tour bus specifically. Oh, okay. Uh, so it wasn't actually Dave's. And I I encountered this when I was doing my cursory research on Dave Matthews Band this morning. Uh, 
this suit, there was a civil suit and it was a mere $200,000, which I'm like, that is honestly, you, I think you deserve more if you have shit dumped on that you. That is true. That, that should have been a couple of milli. I just looked it up. It was 800 pounds 800 of pounds waste. of liquid shit. Oh man. Yeah. They probably should have uh, bumped that up to at least half a mil. And I mean, unfortunately for the band, it, it did give a particular flavor of metaphor that people who do not like Dave Matthews Band could use yes. to describe their music and the experience of listening to their music. That is absolutely true. A that little it is, too apropos. Yeah, that it is a shit being dropped on you from the sky that is somehow unavoidable. You can't, you can't control it. Uh, yeah. So that's, I mean, you, you were, you were basically DMB neutral. You, it's not yeah. like your friends listen to it or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, when I encounter it, it's like it's, it's fine backward. Like, you, look, you're always going to have sh- songs like these on FM radio. But you didn't. You didn't before they did. They existed. They are a very unique band. I guess. I look. I don't have to go to their shows. You don't have to. I won't make you. Nobody's making me. Um. Although now I wonder. Well, we can talk about that. We can talk about their their touring experience later. Um. For me, I definitely listened to whatever Dave Matthews Band songs were on pop radio when I was growing up. I was not. I think the the optimal way to absorb DMB would have been if you were a college student in the nineties. Yes. And I was not a college student in the nineties. Right. I was too young. I do like that. I think would be the inflection point of either you are like, hell yeah. I see Dave every year <laughs> yeah. and I wear this like weird faded sweatshirt. I have a goatee for some reason. because yeah. That was a thing in college. Like I, in the 90s. I play, I play the bongos because that seems like an experience that is open to me. <laughs> I have three sets of devil sticks. <laughs> In a weird beanie. We saw we saw a drum circle in a on the Miami, on the beach in Miami, Miami Beach, and I was just like, "Damn, I haven't seen a drum circle in a long time." Still relevant. Still, still cool. Um, yeah, I I don't know, and I liked it. I didn't know not to like the that music because it just sounded it kind of sounded like children's music in a way. Yes, like it has that like raffy element to yes. it. It's whimsical. It's got you know it's saxophones violin, and violins. Yeah. It's like uh, it's not. It doesn't go too hard. I don't know. It, it didn't offend me certainly. And then mm-hmm. I grew up a little bit and saw how much like Rolling Stone magazine made fun of Dave Matthews Band <laughs> or Dave Matthews Band fans and was kind of like, oh, I don't. I guess I don't need this in my life. But I'm not like that upset about it. And then I feel like they kind of faded away from immediate public consciousness yeah. by the time I was an adolescent. Yeah, I guess for both of us, we're both in the what we're realizing is we're both in the age group where we knew that Dave Matthews band was around and that some people felt strongly about them, but we never really had to be involved with them in any way. So we it's were, kind of yeah. like who ca- again, who cares? Yeah. Who? Yeah. More, more indifference to, to DMB than anything, but I was definitely very, I was aware of them and I was aware of their aesthetic when I was a child. Should we uh, start going into this now that we're going to be, I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about their aesthetic, just playing a song and, and uh, yeah, play it. If, if someone is listening to the podcast right now, who has no idea what Dave Matthews band sounds like, we got it. We, we got to do it to him. <laughs> So funny. It's so weird. It's almost like a British accent. Yeah. 
Uh, I just, I love that But this it's kind of, it's kind of Caribbean too. Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird. I do love that this sounds like weird Zydeco music. Or, uh... And then they jam out. Yeah. Trading back and forth between the sax and the violin. Yeah. Or somebody uh, who heard Paul Simon's Graceland once several years ago and was asked to recreate it. I mean, in a different world, like, this could be Vampire Weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not. Because you, as you're kidding me. Yo-yo bass. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. Enough. Enough of that. Enough. Get the, we get the picture. I think. I mean, to me, that aesthetic. I I don't hate that song. I understand that song to be hateable. Yeah. But like, I was kind of grooving to it. It's mostly inoffensive to me, but I can understand how people would find it incredibly grating. Yeah, especially. I guess we have to put that in context of the time of, of like the nineties where the two modes of rock music were like her, 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 and that's from, that's from our, uh, our friend of the pod, Sarah Fonder, who, uh, told us that I, I can't remember who she said had classified grunge music as her, her, Yeah. Her, Uh, so it's like that. And, you, and then this against it, and you're like, you're like that guy from the movie The Rock saying, I don't listen to that soft shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, also, that that song came out in 1995. I'm sure a lot of people found it a breath of fresh air mm -hmm. in comparison to the Hergadurgas. Yes. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know. It, it's... It, well, it's I don't, I don't hear it as well, fresh. It's got I guess, a violin in the band. Sure, it's why? It's a vibe. Why not? I don't know. It's a vibe. The the interpretation I have of and I haven't and maybe we can listen in this episode because Dave Matthews Band are a live band. They mm -hmm. are a lot. I think they are primarily a live experience that just happened to get a lot of traction with slightly shorter pop songs on the charts in the nineties. Right. But in comparison to another. 80s and 90s band Fish, who I think are truly tr trying to create a more psychedelic experience, sure. something that could pair well with you know hallucinogens or other uh, dissociative drugs. Sure. This just sounds like you like smoke some pot and you're just trying to have a good time. Yeah, it sounds like the fucking quad. It sounds it sounds like the quad. This this is the this is the vibe of the quad. This sounds yeah. like a hula hoop and a joint. Yeah. And then you're all gonna go later to like grab burgers and then you've I guess you gotta study a little bit for yeah. your sociology exam. Exactly. It's that sociology exam's not gonna study for itself. itself. Exactly. <laughs> I mean it sounds like, you know, I'm I'm from Burlington, Vermont. It sounds like UVM. It sounds exactly like what I imagine UVM. Yeah. Uh so I mean that's okay. That's that's our experience with with DMB. So the the context for this episode is that Dave Matthews Band were eligible uh, and nominated for the first time for the somehow both important and also infuriatingly unimportant uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. They uh, were nominated. They got on uh, a fan vote list. Like there, since 2012, you have been able to vote as a fan for uh -huh. your favorite band who could be uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I believe I've uh, done this several times only for Devo. 
Has has Devo made it in yet? I don't think so. Oh, I'm sorry. Justice for for you and Devo. Uh, they'll get in eventually. Keep, keep fighting the good fight. They got it. Yeah. Come on. Uh, so they're eligible. They're also Dave Matthews Band are extremely popular with a large sort of grassroots movement sure. of of super fans. Uh, he, they received in the end over a million votes. Wow, which is great. That's that amazing. Honestly, yes. that's amazing. Uh, a million votes. For the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah. But the weird, so the weird thing about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is that they have this fan vote. You, the, uh, from my understanding, the top five bands on the fan vote count as a single ballot out of a thousand ballots. So even if you win the fan vote, you are just grouped in with four other people who are at the top of the fan polls, and that's one ballot. And then uh, 999 other schmoes have to also vote for you. So it counts for very little, but all seven, all six of the past fan votes have won because have have been, eventually been inducted the idea being that well i guess they're really popular so we should put them in so it seems like it seems like it, it affects the votes of everyone yes. else yes uh dmb won the fan vote they were not inducted so drama people okay. are people are upset fans are upset they're like basically like what the fuck we, uh, we have voted in in large numbers for our favorite and best best band. That was and that's just the, this year. This that's is this, this that's this year. So they they've already done the induct, inductions. In they the they haven't done the ceremony yet, but, but they, they have not announced the induction. They have picked the people. Okay, so there is the the DMB uh, voters betrayed, betrayed uh, by the academy. The uh, the DCC uh, the DCCC of the uh, Rock and Roll Academy have uh, rigged the election. Yes. For, uh, I don't know, Crooked Whitney, I guess, uh, who did get <laughs> inducted. <laughs> yeah, so the the inductee class of 2020, Doobie Brothers. I guess the Doobie Brothers. The original uh, would be a good name for uh, Dave Matthews the do- band the fans. Doobie, the Doobie Matthews band. That's what, that's what you call Dave Matthews band fans. <laughs> Doobie Bros. Doobie Brothers. DMB, Doobie My Brothers. Yeah, Doobie on My Brothers. Doobie on My Bros. Uh, Whitney Houston. Shout out to Whitney. Yes. Love her. Depe- love Whitney. Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode. Des- lovely. Deserve it. Uh, T-Rex. De- uh, wonderful. Very fu- foundational. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. Yes, probably uh, should be. Nine Inch Nails. Excellent. Our boys. We love We love them. And then Irving Azoff and John Landau. They must be just like veteran songwriters. Yeah. I'm going to have to look and I'm sorry for uh, being... Ignorant. Oh, okay. Irving Azoff is an as, he's an executive. Oh, okay. Uh, he's a he's a he's the chairman of Full Stop Management. So he's like a manager <laughs> of many. Yeah, okay. I guess. Thank you for for uh, screwing over so many artists on royalties. Uh, it really kept the uh, industry going. Yeah, you you got to keep the uh, you know the workers and the yeah. uh, the the exploiters. And then John Landau, he's a producer and a critic. What he's. He's working what the fuck? John Landau, this is just from Wikipedia. John Landau is an American music critic, manager, and record producer. He has worked with Bruce Springsteen in all three capacities. <laughs> so he has Dude, vertically integrated Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> well, I like that in all three capacities, saying that he uh, managed Bruce Springsteen, produced his records, and then criticized those very records. He is also the head of the nominating committee for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. All right. Okay. What the fuck? So uh, I said Crooked Whitney earlier as a joke, but really the uh, the the election was rigged in favor of Crooked John Landau. That is batty. 
Wait, I'm sorry. We we need to do a slight detour because this is absolutely fucking insane. He wrote for Rolling Stone. He's from Boston. He wrote uh, an article where he wrote the article that said, I saw rock and roll's future and his name is Bruce Springsteen. Oh, okay. That was him. But he, he so he also produced him. It's vertically integrated Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I don't, I mean, <laughs> I guess, I guess if you're another member of the nominating committee, it's like, well, guys, we have to honor our, our, our buddy, our buddy, John. Um, that's very silly though. That is bananas. Uh, well, you know, thanks for, for making the, uh, for doing all the hard work to make the Bruce Springsteen industry so efficient and productive. <laughs> so we need to, we need to call an antitrust, uh, <laughs> case. case on John Landau <laughs> and Bruce Springsteen. There's something, something fishy going on. Right. Oh my God. It's like crazy snowing right now. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's the context in which we're, we're speaking about this. And the, the popular conversation then is, does Dave Matthews band deserve the to be in Hall the rock and roll hall of fame? Because they're an outlier in some ways in that. I think there are some people who probably hate the Doobie brothers who, who can't stand Whitney Houston, mm -hmm. but they well, are considered the, the, so, the people who can't stand Whitney Houston are, are wrong. They're monsters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're wrong and they should feel bad. They should feel bad. But, um, you know, Dave Matthews band, is it perhaps a more, because they are a more recent. Yes. And more divisive. They're more recent. They're more divisive. You know, it's, they're a Gen X band. Yes. That's uh, true. that boomers might not understand or not, not appreciate. Yes. And so that, that's, that's the controversy. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, the, the texts for these, uh, for this podcast are, are two. The first one, I would love to talk about this profile of Dave Matthews Band that was in uh, the Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone magazine in 2001, okay. which was at a sort of precipice of their career, Yeah, uh, you know, 90s moving into the 2000s. And, and then also... Uh, and also, like, is this going to be a mainstream band or are they... Or are they just going to be like basically playing for the fans? I feel like that's a that was yeah point. that was their the the question in their in their hearts. And then also uh, Stephen Hyden, who is a, a music writer, a music writer who yes. we love, wrote for Up Rocks uh, the cases for and against Dave Matthews Band's induction into the Rock, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He wrote that before the, they lost the, the snub. Uh, but I think it's a worthy conversation. So that's Steve what we're talking about. Hyden on the show sometime. We we, we certainly sh we certainly should. We absolutely should. Steve, come on. And intro. Yes. Um, so let's do this this uh, Rolling Stone story first, which is called The Salvation of Dave Matthews Band, <laughs> which I feel like every like big story in yep. Rolling Stone at that time was called, you know, yeah, the, the evolution of Alicia Keys. The sins of Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, nine, nine Inch Nails mortal coil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Ashley Simpson as the crucified Christ. Like the, oh, what, what would be a good one for Ashley Simpson? It would be like, uh, like, Sex, sex and death with Ashley Simpson, <laughs> or like sex, death, and pop with Ashley yes. Simpson. Uh, uh, the the resurrection of Katy Perry. <laughs> the resurrection of Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Salvation of Dave Matthews Band. So this is a uh, Frank Sinatra has a cold style opening because sure. Dave Matthews has the flu. Okay, he has a four, 104 degree fever when this uh, story opens in media res. But they are playing for uh, 10,000 people in Philly, okay. which is a thing that Dave Matthews Band just did in 2001. Yes, uh, normal. And so at this point in their career, Dave Matthews Band they have sold 20 million records. <laughs> They were releasing the album Every Day, which I believe is their fourth mm -hmm. uh, album, which uh, the author of this piece, his name is John Colapinto, he said it is uh, demolishes all expectations of what a DMV record should be, <laughs> which, sure. I'm, well, I have no expectations, so, uh, you know. Uh, and 
if you were wondering what those expectations would be, it is that there is electric guitar in it. Oh, no. Instead of the usual acoustic. Uh, <laughs> they switched the acoustic electric violin for electric guitar, and now they do acoustic violin on top of it. Acoustic, acoustic violin and electric guitar. Things are, everything has changed. Yeah. Um, the songs are, you know, hew closely to the four minute mark. And uh, this wasn't in the article, but I have to note that of the 35 tracks on the previous three David Matthews albums, only eight of them were under four minutes and 43 seconds. Oh, wow. So they were truly jamming. Yes. But at this, at this point in 2001, they were no longer jamming. Uh, Dave Matthews is uh, 34, recently married. He's dressed in a, a sleek, uh, stylish, zippered black cardigan instead Aww. of his usual faded T-shirt. He's growing up. He's growing up. The boy's growing up. He's got, uh, he's got his quarter zip fleece on. So the, <laughs> he's he's got his button up and his his uh his technical vest. Yes, his Patagonia vest. And yes. he's ready. To, he's ready to day trade. Absolutely. Um, so the, this is where we meet Dave. So Dave Matthews was born in South Africa. I think I knew that. Did you know that? Father was a physicist. Mother was an architect. They were in. They moved to Westchester very briefly in his childhood because his father was working for IBM. And then they went back to South Africa when his father died of cancer when Dave was ten. Um, so he was there for his entire adolescence. He turned eighteen. He was conscripted for mandatory military service in South Africa. He decided he did not want to fight for apartheid, and he moved. Uh, that king, awesome. Honestly. We we stand. We stand. We have no choice but to stand. Yes, you to fleeing your fleeing your racist country because you were served refused to uh, uh, serve in their racist military. Great, excellent. Great. Thank, thanks, Dave. Yeah. Um. So he moved to Charlottesville with his mom, and he basically he was like working at a bar. He I I'm not sure what kind of musical inclination he had in his youth, mm -hmm. but he started just like dicking around writing songs in a very desultory way. He wrote four four songs. <laughs> the, 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 this is the the uh, article is very specific. He wrote four songs. He deigned to play them in public. He sounded very uh, ambivalent about this whole thing. It wasn't like I'm Dave Matthews and I'm going to be a roots rock star. star yes. It was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll just have go to this songs? coffee shop and like play my songs, <laughs> I guess. Uh, he played the songs. The songs were good. And somehow he basically was able to recruit a bunch of random instrumentalists who lived in Charlottesville, including the original lineup of the band. So he said it wasn't like, oh, he found this guy in Boston and this guy in Detroit. It was like do, he didn't have to do the uh, the getting the band together uh, montage. No, the montage was very he short. Went, he just went to a coffee shop, played some songs and then like walked out. And there were like six guys there. They were like, hey, <laughs> you, got, you got some songs. We got this band laying around here. I, I see this movie so so clearly of just like him getting off stage and just like these like six guys just standing there like holding your stage, being like. Bro, bro, lead us. <laughs> lead us. We've been waiting for you. We are, we are, but wandering Ronin, <laughs> <laughs> folk of those roots rock musicians. We've been warriors with no masks. We, we've, we've been, we've been just bards. Yes. Bards is just uh, trawling the the yes. tobacco fields of uh, Virginia, just waiting for someone to have the jam that would <laughs> the perfect jam that could bring us all together for for once for, for, for all. tasty ten minute long licks. <laughs> Boy, Boyd Tinsley just holds up his violin and goes, this plugs in <laughs> this violin. This violin goes to 11. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't, there, it, it didn't sound that hard to like find Dave Matthews band. It was just like they, they were there. I mean, that's kind of gives like the, 
belies the vibe to it that even that it doesn't have a name that it's just Dave Matthews band. Yeah. And because I don't know the whole the whole presentation of it is like I don't know here's a band. <laughs> it was, I mean it was kind of like normcore before. Yeah. I, I mean it's normcore that current normcore was trying to emulate of just like effortless uh also effortless and multiracial yeah. without making like a big deal of it. Kind of in the way of like a you know early um, Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, sure. Of just being like we we are a family of of many backgrounds yes. and like don't ask us how we got together. Yeah, I don't who cares? Know. We just like root rock. Come yeah, on. <laughs> we just we just like playing uh, playing bongos. I do have a question. Give me. Which is, does Dave Matthews have a South African accent? Can you pull up an interview? I'm, d- I'm looking for early interview. I guess that would explain his weird his cadence. weird cadence. Dave Matthews Band, Alternative Nation. MTV, let's see. So I guess how we came up with the name my mom did when she whelped me. Mm, whelping? Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's nice. Ten points describe. for the, the use of the word whelping <laughs> in the first segment of, of this fine interview. So, uh, Stefan, how did you come to know? No, actually, we'll get to that later. Dave, where are you from? Oh, like, fuck you, Stefan. Maybe people don't necessarily know who you are because this is really the first MTV video on rock. the MTV. Yeah. And, you know, people are curious. You should like, see what this lady's this wearing. Matthews guy? So I'm going to ask you that. Like, where are you from? What are you all about? Virginia. We're from Virginia, a little mm-hmm. town in Virginia. That's where we've been and, uh, in the mountains. And we breed with our relations. And, and uh, <laughs> Not really. No. For, for how from, uh, strong the South African uh, accent is and him growing up there until he's 18, he shed it pretty well. Yeah. That's funny. He might have had an American parent. I don't know. But I don't know. Maybe it comes through in his singing. Sithifriki. Uh, yeah, so he, the band forms, they don't have trouble it's picking the a only, name either. It's the only rock and roll nominated band that formed in the passive tense. I mean, put, put yourself. A band was formed. We are, we are both, I, I think by nature, producers in the sense that we, we generally help other people like make stuff, right? Yes. So if you are, if you're a, a saxophonist, and you're not like uh, a jazz band leader. You are basically just waiting for an affable like dude with a couple of good songs to kind of take you under his wing. Yes. Like you, you, I, I guess that's just the ad. Like you're not going to try to, if you're not a band leader, then that, that's what your fate is. Is just waiting for someone good enough to lead the band to align with. Yes. So great. Um, so they, they form, they get the, a manager who it was a big Grateful Dead fan okay. and basically used the Grateful Dead model that was going to make Dave Matthews Band huge, which is that we are going to tour the shit out of you. Mm. We are, you're going to play colleges. You're going to play frat parties. You're going to play beach parties sure. in Virginia and you're going to tour nonstop and you're going to build a, a rabid local fan base that will c- catapult you to uh, national Stardom. Good strategy. And that's what they did. Uh, They played in the three years before they signed to a major label. They played 200 nights a year. 200 nights a year. They were playing constantly. Incredibly. And mostly like in and around Virginia. like In and around Virginia. And then I I imagine they started to spread when, I don't know, uh, Bowdoin was like, hey, my my cousin goes to UVA and saw this totally like groovy, chill band. (laughs) Like, do you think we could book them? As the legend of Dave Matthews spread from... (laughs) Like From beer. bong to beer, beer pong table, <laughs> all up and down the coast. I mean, did you say college? I, I don't know. We've probably talked about this somewhat, but like colleges were 
a great way, a great vi- colleges are a viral network. Yeah. Because if you are affluent enough or smart enough to, or to go to college, mm-hmm. you probably know other people who go to college and they don't go to the same college as you and you have ways of talking to each other on the phone yes. or you see each other when you're on summer yeah. break and they say, hey, I, we, I heard this, I, we played this crazy game at Dartmouth where you throw beer, you hit beer pong or, or ping, pong ping pong balls. I was just going to bring up uh, the fact that every college in America has roughly similar rules to beer pong is, mm-hmm. is a testament to that fact. Yeah. P- college is a hive is a hive mind because everyone wants to fit in and everyone wants to party and yeah, have but fun. Everybody wants to both fit in and, all, and also be on the cutting edge of cool. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And I feel like the internet has kind of broken that down and now it's like, yeah. t- I guess that's TikTok or something. I don't, yeah, I I don't fucking know. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People t- TikToking about this great jam band that they saw at like wherever Al's people, bar on people, the UVA campus. People, people making up some like weird 15 second dance to, uh, <laughs> To, to yeah. crash into me that uh, goes viral and then everyone does it and then it yeah. ends up on Fortnite. I don't know what the fuck. And then something, somebody says something racist over it. Yeah, and, and then, then they have to apologize. Canceled. Yeah, canceled. Um, so yeah, that that's how they they make it to the the big leagues, the major the major leagues. Uh, they released their first album, which is called Under the Table and Dreaming in 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it goes to number eleven on the charts. Following album hits number two. That's Crash, and then their third album before these crowded streets streets makes it to number one. So they are ascendant in the nineties. Up, 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 up. And I mean, under the table and dreaming is the one that has like ants marching on it. That that was, you know, a big single. Yeah. Uh, that's the first song that we played. Uh, crash also, you know, crash, uh, into me is huge song. I want to play crap. You yeah, want to play crash. crash. And then maybe we could find, I have a, one song that I haven't heard of from their early days. That I think we should play. imagine a song this noodly mm-hmm. both meandering both musically lyrically everything ever being a big hit again yes songs are not allowed to wander around anymore and it has this weird you know I don't I here I am complimenting the musicality of Dave Matthews band but the it's like opposite syncopation with the words and yeah. the drums in a way that is like I actually think is like very cool. Yeah. It it doesn't it's not like a total groove like it, it's there's opposition there. I think that's sweet. Yeah. And I don't think people would do that now. I mean, it's basically Ed Sheeran just like kind of grabbed this there you and go. added Justin Timberlake's uh Neptune's style like yeah, production and, like, and drumming. And, like, bizarre like EDM style drops yeah, in, in a marshmallow in folk songs, yeah. Yeah. This is this is like Ed Sheeran harnessed this energy and then made it as funky as I guess he possibly could. Yeah. Yeah, we're two minutes into this song and I'm like, does this be I'm still wondering like what's gonna happen? Yeah, does this become something? It has chimes in it. Yeah. It is, you are right, to be give it a compliment. It is uh 
very um, expressive and emotive. Yeah. And it's a it's a dorm room fucking song. It is a dorm room fucking song. And once again, I don't know how many of those songs are coming out right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. God, I wonder what people have. Our, people uh, in what? college are having sex to right now. It's probably not good. It's not good. Whatever it is, it's not good. <laughs> that you know what? It's not my thing, but I I really can't shit on Dave Matthews too much for that for that kind of song. It's like at least there's stuff going on. It's, in a, it. it's interesting. Yeah. My my. Uh, my Dave Matthews crash story is that when I was honestly probably too young to think that this was like weird, but I did my, my mom, my mom was like, this is an inappropriate song and I don't want to listen to this in, in the car and me being like, what the, what is inappropriate about this? You're listening to that being like, well, are we listening to the same song? It's like the most wholesome song. Like musically it's like the among the most wholesome sounding things that you could have. Yeah. And for some reason she's like, she thinks that song is about having anal sex. I've heard that before, but I'm like, I don't, and I don't believe that. I think yeah. it's about having a regular, the regular kind, sweet sex, regular style, regular style. Just, no, just yeah. I don't, I don't want to say anal isn't normal, but like, yeah, the you know the 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 usual one, uh, well, uh, uh, the usual, please. Yeah, the the regular, the house, the house I'll, style, I'll the, house. the house blend. <laughs> God. Yeah. I no, don't know. for for and I I was too young to realize that that was weird for my mom to say because my mom is not that kind of person. Right, to, right, right. To bring that up out of the blue, uh, but I was, I from, I was from like, then on. I've now thought of I'm like that's the that's the anal song. I, I guess. It, I think that there was like an urban legend about that. I don't know. Or like is it is he is he getting pegged or something? I don't know. <laughs> I mean uh, that'd be that'd be cool. Uh, we're making that canon now. Yeah. It's a can- it's canon. It's, that oh, crash no. into me is not just the the anal song. It's the pegging song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See now, like Blink One Eighty Two needs to release a song called "The Pegging Song." That's like <laughs> yes. forty-seven minutes long, or, or 47, no, forty-seven seconds long. Forty-seven minutes would be Dave Matthews. I mean, fan. I certainly would love to see <laughs> if Blink One Eighty Two is tasked with creating a forty-seven-minute-long song called "The Pegging Song." <laughs> I would listen to it and see what they came up with. I would, I would give it at least ten minutes of of a try before I. I determine whether I could keep going. Oh no, forty-seven minute Blink song. Imagine Blink jamming. Can't do it. Um, so yeah, the Dave Matthews Band becomes huge. They are a huge touring act. One of rock's biggest touring acts. Sure. By the late nineties, um, where they're they, like basically, if I remember correctly, they're like basically holding mini festivals around themselves. Uh, I don't know if that. I mean, basically, like they they were playing stadiums at a time that not many people were like fully selling out stadiums. Mm-hmm. Like it was basically like the Rolling Stones and U two mm-hmm. and them. It's my understanding. They had two nights at um, Soldier Field in Chicago, and they sold one hundred seventy thousand tickets between those two nights. Jesus Christ, that's, that's a, lot, a of lot of people in the Chicago area, and they shit all over they them. Shit on them. You we came out one hundred seventy thousand of us <laughs> for you, Dave. And you give us your shit in return. <laughs> How dare you? Um, also, I, I was not expecting to get an and, and introducing bingo chip uh, in this episode, but I, we are because not only were they super successful touring, selling a lot of records, they were also selling $80 million uh, in, in the 90s in T-shirts that they manuf- manufactured with their own self-owned merch company. Own your own business. Another, I guess, another example of vertical integration, integration of uh, yes. of DMB. Yeah, if don't let, so, I guess this is good advice. Maybe if you don't let someone else print your T-shirts. Yeah, if you can do that yourself, 
you should. Yes. Because they made $80 million. $80 million of Dave Matthews merch. It's wild. Oh, that's so much DMB shirts. I bet their merch is not good, too. Probably not. Although it might, now it might be, like, I feel like we could go to, like, Bushwick to a bar and, like, see, like, a cool person wearing a Dave Matthews Band shirt, ironically. Maybe. Uh, If anybody wants to send us a vintage uh, Dave Matthews Band shirt, uh, I would be glad to accept it and wear it. We'll take uh, it. Ironically. Yes. Uh, so they they reach the peak basically of their popularity of their in the moment popularity, and then you know Dave Matthews himself is struggling. He's uh, he's unhappy. Mm-hmm. He feels alienated. On one hand, you know he never has to work again, but he still feels like he needs to make music. But he doesn't know what kind of music he should make. He's kind of disgusted with his own ego, basically. Sure, that he is Dave Matthews of Dave Matthews Band, a very popular band. <laughs> Dave Matthews by Dave Matthews Band, presented by, <laughs> presented Dave, by Matthews. Dave Matthews Band in association with, with Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, when they're recording their fourth album at the time, like right before this article the was funny written, thing yeah. Is like Dave Matthews is just like the most normal name. And it, it being the name of the band, and all it is is Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. It's just like this, it's so. Normal, normal and boring but it's like kind of perfect for their music yeah yeah i don't know it's it's something there's something so funny about that to me yes that, especially that it then became one of the biggest bands in the world right now and every other other things around you know you're like metallica yeah it's like an idea yeah that is in that it, that you're presenting it's like overwhelming and it's just like joe Dave, johnson's Dave. band <laughs> Jack Johnson is another, that is another. Yeah, another type of thing. Another another type of thing. Yeah, it's yeah, not, that's like, so true. You know, it's not like it's a, a Xavier Gustafsson's band. <laughs> the the Xavier Gustafsson Five. Yes, or something. <laughs> yeah, just Dave Matthews. But it, and I think that that is something that like affects the way that people see the music because it's just like normal music. Here's here's some normal songs. We Here, play them long style. Here's here's a pitch I would like to make, and you can you can shoot it shoot holes through it or agree with me. You got Dave Matthews Band, mm-hmm. a, a collective. I believe I don't think women have ever played in the band, but a collective of uh you know mu- multiracial, multi instrumental, eclectic yeah. music, right? From 1994, 2004, a decade later, we get Arcade Fire, mm-hmm. a group of people of a uh, multi su- somewhat I don't know about multi-ethnic but multinational well, they're Canadian and American they're ha- uh, Regine <laughs> Chassain is Haitian Regine Chassain is Haitian too oh yeah so like they are North you know North American scum yeah of a of a wide variety uh they are have weird instruments they have the violin, violin. yeah they are playing long oftentimes long kind of yeah epic yes things and yet the way they presented themselves, the way they branded themselves, who they are, it's not just the, like they're putting together. So they're putting forth an art- artifice. Yeah. But Dave Matthews Band and, and Arcade Fire might be more similar than they are different. That is a pretty good pitch. That's not bad. But Dave Matthews Band is normal. Yes. And Arcade Fire is Indian, is, is, arti- is artisanal, quirky, quirky. It's not and, yeah. not for regular folks. You're putting yourself in a very specific category if you're an Arcade Fire fan, as I am and as I did. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not a regular girl. I'm an Arcade Fire girl. <laughs> um, so does that does that make sense? That it's just thinking about what is normal. Yeah, and it's like I don't know, wearing t-shirts, <laughs> uh, playing hacky sack, hacky sack. Uh, I mean, what is and what is indie or quirky is like I don't being like, from Canada. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, but, you know, Dave Matthews Band also wrote uh, their first album was basically songs about like, well, even this is not that different. I feel like there's songs about like Carpe Diem, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you never know, like when you're, you never know what you got till it's gone. Like, uh, like, so let's seize the day. Like, let's just like live yeah. and be joyful. And Arcade Fire was about a, a bunch of people and their family dying. <laughs> but it was the same sentiment. It was yeah. like, that fucking sucks. It's very tragic. But like, we got to live. Yeah. I mean, could Dave Matthews Band have written Rebellion Lies? Maybe. 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 Could, uh, could, could, could Arcade Fire have written <laughs> Crash Into Me? Less likely. Less likely. I think, I, he, let's put it this way. If Arcade Fire had written Crash, I would have liked it a lot better. Yeah, that's true. I, it, and who knows? It could have been one of my, I, I could have tried to lose my virginity it is, to that it, song. It is funny that it's just like, uh, you know, it, it is the, that aesthetics really, and not even the musical aesthetics, but all the other, that it's the Arcade Fire Again, an idea, a brand, something yeah. that is evocative versus Dave, Dave Matthews, Matthews band. and his band. <laughs> it's all like the, that kind of aesthetic stuff determines so much about how this music is received. Yeah, funny. That's good, that's my that's point. that's my bat my um my hot takes bot uh yeah. <laughs> take, take, <laughs> take of, of the, the pod. pod. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um. Anyways, yeah. So so we're at this point where Dave is like he's built this empire of normal normal <laughs> normal empire chill fun. And he's feeling dark and, and conflicted. And that comes out in his music. So they get together to write songs. And he's writing these like dark ass songs, basically. And it's bumming everybody out. <laughs> the vibes are bad. The vibe, vibe check came in negative. Negative. Vibe check, awful. Uh, the bassist for Dave Matthews Band, whose name is Stefan, Stefan Lassard. Who would have been that the other person at an interview where she was like, Stefan, let's ask you. Actually, no, let's talk to Dave Actually, Matthews. no, let's talk to Dave Matthews of Dave Matthews Band instead. Uh, Stefan said, after a while, it seemed like we were playing more baseball and riding more ATVs because no one wanted to go into the dark studio and get into this mood. <laughs> so, the you know, these poor musicians who've been brought into the world of, of DMB are just like, wait a second, we're not having this funky funky fun country uh, jazz in, infused jam like i'll just what? ride my atv instead he, right um so like that was the vibe they get some tunes down and record executives listen to this and say sit dave down and say dave as a fan if i listen to this i wouldn't like it we need more upbeat songs right uh and they specifically said, you, why don't you write something like Tripping Billies? Can we put on that? That is an early song that is noted as a notable, upbeat Dave Matthews fan song. And I'm dying to hear what it sounds like because I Tripping don't know. Billies. Tripping Billies. Yes, here we go. Even if you, if you find a live version, even better. Maybe we should listen to some live. I've got the perfect and intro version. Please. This is Tripping Billies live at Woodstock 99. <gasps> gimme, 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 gimme. Whether they were on the east stage or the west stage, uh, I can look that up real quickly. For in introducing listeners who have not listened to our obsession about Woodstock '99, Woodstock '99 had an east stage and a west stage, and I believe the east stage was bad vibes and the west stage was good vibes. Is my understanding? Uh, they were on the east stage, bringing some good vibes to the east stage. 
It is so funny that It is so funny that he's just like like a got acoustic guitar guy like I guess I have some songs because there's that all that like I don't know like progressive jazz fusion influence in all the music. I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean I guess he just must be like a really like intuitive understander of like how to arrange music and stuff like that yeah, or I think just works with great producers. It's, it sounds, you know, complex. And I mean, well, we're, we're going to talk about the, perhaps the OG modern jam band soon, uh, Grateful Dead. Yes. So we'll, we'll talk more about what, what, what the, the, the Tao of the jam is, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems hard. Yeah. D- different, different vibes than corn, for example, but yeah. Okay, that was Tripping Billies. That was Tripping so there, Billies. So R- RCA was like, please give us some more Tripping Billies you, th- instead of the sad sack whatever music that you've made instead. <laughs> um, so Dave is like, fine, fine. <laughs> like, whatever. So he, they fire their producer. They get rid of their producer, who is Steve Lillywhite, who I think is a U2. Yes. A longtime U2 guy. Is that yes. right? Um, they get rid of him. He produced their first three albums. They get Glenn Ballard, who Glenn Ballard famous for producing Jagged Little Pill. Right. Uh, and he, Dave goes to LA to write, co-write songs with Glenn Ballard, which is another thing that he usually doesn't do. He writes, his own he songs. writes his own songs and then he jams out with his band and he kind of like, he, he says it's like shitting a watermelon. He like, he broke free of this horrible creative block. And then he wrote like 12 songs with Glenn in 10 days. Oh wow. And that became the album every, every day. day. Glenn gave him an electric guitar. <laughs> uh, he was like, Wait, wow, these things plug in. What? <laughs> no way. Uh, so they do all this stuff. And then the rest of the band comes in, they listen to the tracks. They're excited by them. Like they think that they're good. And un- unfortunately, Glenn Ballard is like, yeah, you guys aren't allowed to jam on this record. I'm writing you charts. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm writing you charts for your parts. And none of these songs are going to be longer than what, five minute minutes. Tops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think they were at first, they were like, oh, this is weird. But then they actually kind of enjoyed it. Everything was more straightforward than Organized, their usual. Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they, at least the, the Rolling Stone story that all this is based on ends on a positive note and saying that like everyone is feeling like energized and good. Uh, the, the story after the release of Every Day is that uh, the Lily White sessions, which were recorded, made it somehow into the hands a, of the singer of a Dave Matthews cover band. Okay. Whose name is Craig Knapp, K-N-A-P-P. Okay. Craig emails Steve Lillywhite somehow and says... <laughs> Yo, I got this. I I got this album, and it's not. It's unreleased, and it's all the sessions that you did before. Every day, like, is it morally okay if I share this with the Dave Matthews Band trading community? <laughs> the, the tapers. The tapers, right? right? And this is just around the time of like Napster is yeah, bubbling yeah, yeah. up. But Wine I do, this guy. It's not like he's saying, "Hey, can I share this with everybody?" He wants to share it with the fans. The fans, right? And someone claiming to be Steve Lillywhite responds to this email being like, sure, bro. It wasn't Steve Lillywhite. That was <laughs> Did not this person just email like Steve Lillywhite, Lillywhite at, at AOL.com. AOL. <laughs> yeah. So he, he gets the okay and the guy shares it with the tapers and then it obviously makes, it, makes it, it a, everywhere. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it is lauded by the fans for sounding more like original Dave Matthews band, even, even though, though it was sad. like da- dark and sad. So like this, this failed album has a second life. 
and eventually ends up being re-recorded and re-released as David Matthews Band's fifth album. Re- interesting. Yeah, I, I hadn't known this, uh, and I hadn't known that uh, peer-to-peer music sharing was so influential on this particular turn in the band's fate. But we should listen. Can we listen to something from Every Day? Yeah, let's listen to something from Every Day. Not the title track, because I, I actually don't like that song. Uh, <laughs> great. Uh, I, don't, I don't obviously know, so I'm picking a random off this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to find some with a compelling title, but all these are They're stupid. Yeah. Uh, uh, how about the space between? You can't go wrong with track three. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. You cannot quit me so quickly. There's no hope in you for me. No corner you could squeeze me. But I got all the time for you, love. The space between. I remember this song. The tears we cry. It's almost like he's doing Herga Durga. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds a little grungier. The space between. Again, it's really not my thing, but I appreciate that these songs are like dramatic. This has Glenn Ballard written all over yeah. it. Those like little wah, wah, wahs yeah. in the background. I think the one consistent thing I dislike the most about every Dave Matthews Band song is the tone of the bass. <laughs> I know it's important to you. Yeah, he's, do- he's doing her Gadurga. Her- It's melodic, and there's interesting rhythmic stuff going on, even though the drums are, like, pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's melodic, it's dramatic. I mean, I, again, the best thing I could say about DMB is, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, but also, most DMB songs kind of sound to me like uh, a pop song that, like, kind of never gets off the runway. Yes. Like, I'm always waiting for, like, when does the When, when does, does the song out? start? Yeah, kick yes. in. Great. So, yeah, that, that was... Uh, and I, I think the other thing, another you know favorite topic is they recorded these Lily White sessions, and then eventually um, the Every Day came out in March of two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Different, you know, nine eleven happened <laughs> as it yeah, as, as it did to as all. it did to all. Uh, and then when they put out their re-recorded Lily White stuff in two thousand two, mm-hmm. maybe like they were like, yeah, no, all the sad shit is like better now. Yes. Like it makes well, more sense. Yeah, America. America needs to be sad. America needs to be the appropriate amount of sad. Uh, but the I do the turn of the millennium in this this particular juncture was kind of like the to me it seems like it, it was basically the end of like the stratospheric rise of yeah. Dave Matthews Band, even though they have been playing together for since, twenty more years and they have put out albums since then. Yeah. Um, not as many. Dave Matthews did a solo album. Do you remember when he went solo? No. He, the song, wait, oh no, I'm going to have to look this up because there was one single that I was like, okay, all right. It was, is it Grave Digger? Can you, can you pull up Grave Digger? Yes. This song was, I I remember being like, this song is, is dull and bad, but maybe a second listen will change my mind. Like he was kind of doing a, a Johnny Cash Hurt. (laughs) 
Cyrus Jones, 1810 to 1913. Made his great grandchildren believe you could live to a hundred and three. A hundred and three is forever when you're just a little kid. So Cyrus Jones lived forever. Grave digger, when you dig my grave, could you make it shallow? So that I can feel the rain. I mean, Dave Matthews definitely has has some some dark thoughts. Yeah. It's like Dave. This is like Dave Matthews after dark. <laughs> Stonewall, 1903 to 1954. She lost both of her babies in the Second Great War. Now you should. Never. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the it's the I hurt hurt myself today. <laughs> It's fine. Uh, yeah. To be fair, I feel like maybe a lot of people were trying to go solo in the mid-aughts with varying levels of success. It won, a, it won a Grammy for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Dude. I mean, it sounds like something that sold a fair number of cop- copies at a uh, Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, he went solo. Uh, they had their the, the shit dumping incident. Um, they put out a shitload of live albums. They put out a Greatest Hits album. They yeah. play. They they became basically like benefit concert rock. Yes. Where like if you needed if you needed something to be benefited, like yeah. you just called up Dave Matthews and, and his band. And it's also like you know that Dave Matthews band is going to pull at least thirty thousand people. Or and something. they still yeah they tour. I mean I went to I went to college in Saratoga Springs, which has a, a SPAC, the Saratoga Performing Arts Center, which they I think they played that every summer. Yeah. Like I think I think that was like clockwork. They had a standing. They had a, a standing there, yeah. appointment at SPAC and probably many other like summer outdoor amphitheater yes. type places. Like they they crossed the threshold where like I don't they don't they don't need to write another good song ever, ever again. again. Yeah. They can just play the old shit. And I I will say like going, they're classic rock. They are classic rock, uh, which recommends them to be inducted into. I mean, they honestly they've they've got the body. They've got the body of work to yeah. be a, a, a inducted band. I, I mean, I think after recording this episode and after like revisiting their career, I would say uh, I find the Doobie Brothers more annoying than Dave Matthews <laughs> Band. <laughs> and I think Dave Matthews Band. Well, well let's jump over to the yeah. piece. Yes. So that that was that was DMB in uh, in 2001. This is DMB in 2020. Uh, Stephen Hyden basically writes like a dialogue, a, 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 a Socratic dialogue, almost like a yeah, like a, a catechism uh, between uh, his pro DMB self and his anti DMB self, and uh, so he <laughs> he starts by saying, as his pro DMB self, before we begin, let me say something I think we'll both agree with, and his anti DMB self says, let me guess, the Great Chicago Waste Dump of two thousand four is Dave Matthews' greatest release. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so his first pro DMB argument is, is he says, we both know what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is and isn't. It is not an institution that ex- cares exclusively about artistic quality. What the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, is an invitation of the mainstream music industry. It means that commercial performance matters at least as much as acclaim or even lasting influence on other artists. You can't be a complete critical embarrassment unless you're Bon Jovi. (laughs) Uh, But it's ultimately more important for voters that you've had a quantifiable impact on the culture and that is typically measured by album sales, streams, ticket sales, and so on. And honestly, fair. Yes. They, and so therefore like Dave Matthews Band is one of the most popular bands of the nineties. Yeah. And, you know, whether whether you like it or not, 
uh, they he brings up that in the aughts, which is after their songwriting heyday, they made five hundred million, five hundred thirty million dollars touring in the aughts. That's insane. That is so much money. That's Dave so much money. Dave Matthews could shit gold. Yes, into the Chicago River. He he doesn't have to million dollars touring. He could he could like there's so many things that he could do. Yeah, I do want I, now. I want to know the economic uh, division between the band. Like how much does DM Dave get and how much does the B get? Yeah, but uh, I don't. How much does Boyd Tinsley get? I'm um, sure he's doing fine, but I would also like to know that. Yes. Uh, I wonder if Boyd Tinsley is the richest violinist in the world. Uh, that's a great Probably. question. I couldn't imagine any. Is Yo Yo Ma still going? He doesn't play violin. He plays cello. He plays cello. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I wouldn't have but gotten e- that Jeopardy question right. But even even Yo Yo Ma. He's not playing. I can't it. imagine that he he's making that uh, between the record sales, between the touring money, the I t-shirts. Can, I can't imagine Yo Yo Ma is worth more than a couple million dollars, and Boyd Tinsley must certainly be worth yes. at least a hundred million. You are you are totally right. Um, uh, so that that is the pro DMB argument. Anti DMB argument is that uh, if they are so so popular, so prevalent. Uh, repeat exposure only reveals how bad their songs are. Uh, and he cites one one example in particular that he hates, which is Dave Dave Matthews playing all along the Watchtower acoustically in 2010. Uh, Can, should we find this? Yeah. If you can't find it, I'll send it to you. Uh, I will say, uh, I just looked it up. Yo-Yo Ma is worth about $25 million. Uh, Boy Tinsley's worth $70 million. Yeah. Damn. Live at Farm Aid? Where- Farm Aid. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And also send this uh, this song out to New York because uh, it rocks there too. And- <laughs> uh, it's 2001, man. I just gotta say. The- Wait, is this 2001 or 10? 2001. Oh, 2001. Okay. Oh, I was supposed to find 2010. Did he do this twice? Yes. What? Well, now we have to listen to them both. <laughs> uh, get, get to the song. This man, man, drank my wine, and plow man, and dig my I mean, he really, he is the highest profile coffee shop guitarist the world has ever produced. Yes. It, it's, it's literally, there's like 80,000 people here listening to it. exactly a coffee shop guitarist. There, everyone is at open mic night right now. Yeah. And the person on the mic at open mic is, is Dave, Dave Matthews. I mean, not, not to be a hater, not to be rude, but like, have you ever been to like kind of accidentally to an open mic night and you see someone kind of doing this guitar warble thing and just being like, why? Like, why? Uh, like, why? Yeah. Like, I like, thank you for sharing your talent, but also why? Yes. That's Dave Matthews band is why? Yeah. Because you might make $530 million yes. doing that. The uh, dream, the dream is alive. Okay. Maybe this is it. And yeah, let's farm age 25. I can't believe we're subjecting the people listening to this podcast. To two, this a bunch of times. To two different live renditions of all along the watchtower by Dave Matthews. And this is the first thing we're doing this year. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I don't know if this is 20, if this is 2010. Okay. 
Same arrangement. Same tabs. Although this time I think the harmonicus is off stage. This is 2010. Alright, I'm just I'm just gonna jump like <laughs> Yes, yeah, so see what if I'm it ever jump picks like up. three minutes into this. Go crazy for it. Whistling, hooting. <laughs> they, they fucking love it. This also, is a, yeah, this can, is can Tim we pause and... on, the sol- on the solo? Okay. Because I was just going to pause and say acoustic solos are something that I think we could leave yes. behind us and be pretty much okay. Yes. Man- mandolin is fine. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but again, it's the same vibe. It's like two dudes at a coffee, at, like two pretty good dudes at a coffee shop. Yes. All right, all right, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't. We, yeah, we can't. Bearing with us on this, on this. Yeah, my goodness. Did anyone ever um, parody him on SNL? Uh, also a good question. This this seems like it should have been done. I'm sure he was on, they guess on SNL. Yes. Uh, I can't, uh, I, I can't, can't figure this out. out right now. Uh, anyway, I, my takeaway from that particular assault <laughs> was that <laughs> Dave Matthews needs his band. Yes, he does need his because otherwise it's 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 a symbiotic relationship. Yes, he he, ne- he needs the distraction from too much Dave Matthews. Honestly, the amount the like amount and quality of the mu- musicians on stage, like filling out the back of that sound, I think really goes a long way to distract how silly Dave Matthews' vocal performance when is. he's on his own. Um, so yeah, back back to the the pro versus the anti induction. Uh, pro Dave Matthews Band says they are completely unique. Uh, they were a one of a kind sonic experience. Sure, in their in their at their time, um, said they utilize elements of folk, rock, jazz, R and B, and jam band music without fitting comfortably in any one area. Sure, uh, regardless of whether you like their music, you can't say that they're derivative. And the anti Dave Matthews Band opinion is uh, uh, original can still suck. <laughs> That's. I, and I buy both both sides of that argument. Yes, mm-hmm. nothing else sounds sounds quite like them. Uh, no, I don't. I don't like listening to it. Yes, and then I mean that, that's basically it for the article. They the it ends with uh, the pro Dave Matthews band side saying, "Can we try to end on another uh, a note of agreement?" And the anti side says, "Okay." Pro side says, if Dave Matthews Band doesn't make the Rock Hall of Fame in spite of winning the fan vote, it will be because the voting block remains overstuffed uh, with the very boomers you claim have unduly influenced this band. Bands from the 80s and 90s continue to be a hard sell with this organization. If a band is as popular as DMB can't get in, it doesn't bode well for lesser known but artistically vital acts from the era. 
And then the anti-Dave Matthews Band opinion says, Agreed. Boomers blow. I might hate Dave Matthews Band, but our generation's overblown arena bands deserve to be immortalized just as much as theirs. Uh, hard agree with all that. Yes. Yeah. As much as I, like, I, I truly don't care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame any more than the fact that I like, like lists as an organizing principle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it is just one of those things. And then it is like for the, I think, younger people. Uh, one of those, just another brick in the wall <laughs> to use that <laughs> yeah. to use that phrase. Yeah, of just increasingly unbearable cultural dominance in like quote unquote the academy by uh, this seemingly un- unable to ever give up any kind of influence older generation. Yes, and hyper praising of their own crap, i.e. the Doobie Brothers. I have actually, I'm sh- the Doobie Brothers are fine, but you know, like again, if it's the Doobie Brothers over the Dave Matthews Band, I'd say six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Doob, Doob, Doob Matthews fan. Doob, Doob Matthews brothers. <laughs> Doob Matthews brothers. Yeah, I mean that's. I I think that's the the, the main takeaway is like the academies in general suck suck because they are dominated by bland. Uh, I mean, I guess my question is then like Notorious B.I.G. gets in. Is there some weird? Uh, kind of not self-flagellating tendency, but a tendency of this academy to be like, no, we have to throw people a bone. Here's the thing. And I was talking to Matt Christmas about this last night in regards to the Oscars and like how the Oscars seem to ping pong back and forth. At least the response to them being like, you know, praise when like moonlight wins and being like, finally, the Academy recognizes the the tremendous and cultural uh, achievements of of people of color. Yes. Uh, And then the next year green book wins. And you're like, this movie is like one step shy of actual racism. How can the Academy yes. do this? And then you kind of have to be like, well, it's the same people who voted for both. Yes. So if their praise for green book is, you know, a proof of senile, uh, like uh, misappraisal of art, those same senile misappraisers rewarded moonlight. So is that reward uh, like also, also bullshit. B- bullshit and uh, you know, uh, uh, unwarranted or something. I think you go back and forth about that, but mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Uh, for this, and here's my theory, is that yes. for all of these things, like the Academy, the Motion Pictures Art, Arts Academy, whoever does the uh, the the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame vote. John, John Landau, who's, yeah. uh, who's <laughs> inducted into his own Hall of Fame. Uh, we did a bit in this wrestling show I did in college where it's like, <laughs> uh, the, where like the commissioner of the wrestling league came out and basically gave an award to himself and he <laughs> then gave the speech where he's like, I can't accept this award, but I could accept this award. And I should accept this award, and I will accept this award. <laughs> that's that's John, <laughs> that's John Landau. That's John Landau. <laughs> uh, but where I think it's basically like these academies have like three different constitu- constituencies. Mm-hmm. A third of them that really care and think that what they do is important and honorable, and that they have a responsibility to yes. treat it seriously and yep. do take it seriously and try to justly and with a studied eye observe the world of, that they are judging and and make a fair appraisal uh, with their choices. Yes. A third of the people who are totally fucking checked out and just get all the screeners each year or get all the lists of nominees and just throw it down the stairs and whichever one lands the furthest down the <laughs> stairs is there get, wins their vote. Like, yeah. Or like, I, I don't know, have their kids fill it out or, yeah. or their fucking um, um, maids or something. Yes. Uh, do not give a shit. And then a third of people who are in this like messy middle where they're able to be second guessed by themselves being like, Oh, I feel like we should do the right thing, but I don't, I'm old and I don't really know what the right thing is. Yeah. So like you, like, they literally do not know. Yeah. But they do I not like, have the breadth of experience. But I feel like people are going to get mad at us if we do the wrong 
So like, and they're like watching Green Book and being like, I guess this is a movie about a white guy and a black guy being friends. So like, that yes. seems good. That seems like the best we yeah, have. To- it's like people, I keep on seeing this biggie guy's face in murals in trendy <laughs> restaurants. I keep I keep seeing white ladies at brunch at Sarah Beth's eating $26 pancakes with a sweater with spread love. It's the Brooklyn way embroidered into it for $400. So I guess but like and it's that and I think it's that that wishy-washy center who feels like they need to do the right thing That's but a, don't yeah. know what the ne- right thing is. Like that neo, actually neoliberals yeah, basically. basically that that uh actually shape what these ballots look like. And I think that that's those people and the fact that they are voting and trying to take it seriously, and but don't know what their own taste is because they're trying to second guess their taste from what yes. other people are trying to tell them their taste yes. is. That actually makes these lists so often so bizarre and so infuriating. Bogus, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I guess in this case, the uh, Academy or the Hall of Fame voters or whatever are more willing to... I, well, I mean, I guess just thinking Dave Matthews Band is a controversial nomination because so many people love them and so many people think hey, they suck. Yeah, yeah. Versus I don't think you have anyone out here saying that Notorious B.I.G. sucks. Yes. There's some. There's probably some people who say that's not rock music. Yes. Uh, but I think that argument is way less palatable. And the, and the, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is already like basically, you it's know. A pop, they, it's, a, it's, it's a pop, pop music, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Hall of fame. I kind of wish they would just say it's the Pop Music Hall, hall of fame. fame. Yeah. The Popular Music Hall of Fame. Yes. It's not, I'm not probably the first person who said that. It's not a groundbreaking. Yeah. But uh, they've already decided that they're going to let like, rap, rappers in, so it doesn't matter. They, but only, I mean, well, the, the next uh, episode, <laughs> so so to speak, it will be deciding between the great rappers and merely the popular ones. Yes, exactly. Will we let Flo Rida into the uh, Rock and Roll, Rock Hall, and Roll Hall, of Hall of Fame in 15 years? Yes. Will we let in... Um, uh, I don't know who who else is like popular, but not. Are, are we going to let Macklemore into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, because versus he's uh, done having hits, and you gotta have you gotta have hits. You gotta have the tunes I to get into the. I don't the, know the if Hall he's done. I don't know if he's done. I mean, we'll like Ke- like Kendrick Lamar is definitely going to make it in eventually. Yeah, but like will will Macklemore will uh uh Logic? Yeah, sure. <laughs> can't can't wait to argue that amongst a bunch of people who like don't care. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yes, I love to. I love to. Uh, these things. It's just I love to argue with people who kind of care but kind of don't. Yes, it's 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 a good little mental game for yourself. But we care. But we care. We care. So it's a good and it's good fodder for a good episode of and <laughs> introducing. We're the, back, the baby. One, we're back, baby. Twenty twenty. Never stop potting. Never stop casting. Tw- twenty plenty. Twenty plenty. Plenty, plenty of pods. pods. <laughs> uh, so let's wrap up. Let's move confidently into the end part of this episode. Uh, let's see, uh, plugs, Molly, want to plug anything? Um, I mean, I'll probably, probably plug the same thing that you'll, you'll plug, which is that there is a brand spanking new Chapo Trap House related short film called Good Vibes at the Iowa State Fair that is out right now on video on demand hosted by Vimeo.com <laughs> and available at iowagoodvibes.com. Yes. Am I doing this pitch correctly? Yes, you are. Uh, it is a good, fun, weird little doc we made. It, it costs two ninety nine to buy it on Vimeo. We would love, if you listen to this show, uh, to go check it out, iowagoodvibes.com. It's about our trip tracking the Democratic primaries at the Iowa State Fair over the summer. Please go buy it. So we can go make more of these, yes. which I'm really excited to do. Yes. And Molly is our second camera. She helped shoot the whole thing. Yes. Um, she was instrumental to this. So this, it's really a, a full team effort here. All, all hands on deck. 
All hands on deck. For this for this shit. So go get that. That's that's my main plug. I mean, follow me on on Instagram at the Molly Zone. Uh, there's always fun, interesting things happening Constantly. in the zone. In the zone. Step the into zone. the zone. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going back out on tour with Molly. She's coming to help shoot some of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Chapotraphouse.com slash tour. Please come and see us. Uh, we are now getting back into the swing of things. Hopefully after this post, we'll be semi on our regular every other week schedule yes. uh, for getting new apps out. We've got some stuff in the bank. We've got a lot of people beating down the doors wanting to come on the show. So uh, stay tuned. Stay posted for more. Uh, come crash into us all year long. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter at andintropod. Send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. And our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Uh, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, please leave us some comments and ratings there. Yes. Uh, it's great. We just love getting the feedback. We've got some very sweet emails recently. We got we got a great email uh, from someone who, you know, I mean, obviously the, the most uh, important principle of the end of this, the end of the episode screed is to tell a friend, tell a friend friend about a podcast. And this, this person emailed us and he said he, he played an episode for his dad and his friend and his boss. (laughs) And he's trying to play one for his brother. And I'm like, that is truly going above and beyond. Uh, so please recommend this podcast to your boss. Yes. Uh, and that person also said very sweetly, uh, that, I mean, we, I don't want to toot our own horn, but it, it made them reconsider, like appreciating popular music and being able to have a wide variety of tastes and not be limited by, I don't know what people think is quote unquote cool. Yep. Uh, And that's about the nicest thing uh, that people could say because, you know, that's all we can hope for because for a long time I felt similar being like, Oh, I I need to craft what music I listen to around what my idea of being a quote unquote cool person is. And uh, being able to open up that and think about all types of music as great is uh, I think a very good skill to have. We just we just recorded for ninety minutes about Dave Matthews Band. Something I and had, we didn't shit on them the entire time. Yes. Like if you like Dave Matthews Band, like this is a safe space. for And you. honestly, I don't like Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, I, did, I, I will I, never I, listen to another Dave Matthews Band by cho- song by choice for the rest <laughs> of my life. But I that, I don't know. The, we, it's the vibe we try to. Get yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> go continue not listening to Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> uh, this is the end of the podcast. Bye bye. Thank you.